Amen. Good to be here this morning. And uh, I just want to um, read another passage of scripture before, uh, before I start preaching. And that is found in Ephesians 4 verse, sorry, Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 21. While you're looking that up, just a note of thanks this morning. I have really appreciated being here in this church. Um, we uh, uh, have experienced, my wife and I, over some 30 or 40 years or even longer church experiences. And some of those experiences have been really good and a real blessing. But some are less than good. And they have affected perhaps our way that we look at church, uh, Shelley and I. Now, we all have our different experiences and some good and some bad. So I'm amongst amongst friends in that case. But when I first came here, all I wanted to do was just sort of sit quietly at the back. And I didn't want to do anything. I just quietly go about business. And this fellow called Tim, well, he seemed to have other plans. He keeps prodding me and so on, and I'm saying, yeah, I'll do that. And then I think, oh, no, what on earth did I say that for? I wanted to be nice and quiet. Uh, but the Lord has his way, and um, I am so thankful for Tim and his patience in uh, uh, getting alongside me and, and encouraging me. It's been really good. I also want to thank the church for receiving me. It's, it's just so good to come into a church, and you're loved and accepted, um, and, and it's just been so good. I, I've just had so much wonderful fellowship with God's people here and uh, continue just when strangers come, just continue to love them and accept them, minister to them in whatever way. And we know that they will be blessed and so will you. I also want to thank uh, Dennis actually last week when he spoke. Um, That was a real word of encouragement to me and I thought, has he been talking to God about me or what? And I know that there are some others here that feel exactly the same, that the Lord spoke to them. And so it gave me much encouragement this morning. So thank you all. Let's read Ephesians 3, verse 14 through to 21. So I bow in prayer before the, the Father. Every family in heaven on earth gets its true name from him. I ask the Father with his great glory to give you the power to be strong in your spirits, And he will give you that strength through his spirit. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong in love and built on love. I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power uh, to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide, how long, how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. But I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with, every, uh, with everything that God has for you. With God's power working in us, he can do much, much more uh, than anything we can ask or think of. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time, forever. Amen. And the text is... And you've got it up here. Um, I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong or 
as it's got here, rooted, being rooted and grounded in love. That's the King James Version, I think. That your life be strong, and I prefer to use the word established in love and built on or grounded in love. So this morning, <clears throat> knowing that we are established and grounded in the love of Christ. And just as a bit of an introduction, <clears throat> 2 Peter 3.18 says that we grow in, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord, Saviour, Jesus Christ. As believers, we are all on a journey. And that focus of that journey primarily is becoming more like Christ in our living. Paul said about his journey in Philippians 3, verse 8, 9, 10, and 13, he says, All I want now is Christ. I want to belong to him. All I want is to know Christ. And he goes on to say, I forget that which is past, and I reach towards the goal that is before me, and that is Christ. And after all these years of uh, church and ministry and so on that I've been involved in, I can say that that really is my desire. Paul, at the end of his life, was still longing to be like Christ. And his focus was Christ. And this morning I trust that what I have to share with you will strengthen your hearts in the love of Christ and increase that desire to be more like him in your daily walk. <clears throat> Knowing that we are established and grounded in the love of Christ. <clears throat> when we are born again, <clears throat> uh, Ephesians 2 verse 5 and 6, even when we were dead in sins, God has quickened us together with Christ and by grace are you saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we're born again, spiritually we are in Christ. That is our security. We cannot be moved from that, as the scripture says. We are in Christ. In Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, and I'll just summarize it by saying, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are absolutely secure in an impossible to measure sea of God's love. But many of us fail to realize that. We fail to realize it and it shows in our lives. And I've been a Christian ever since I was five years of age, but to show the love of God in my living was... Um, I fell short many times. Many Christians today, are, some of us live in fear. We're unhappy, we're sad, we're angry. We're focusing on our sins and the sins of others. We're focusing in on our failures. We have unhappy relationships. We're performance orientated. We're struggling every day to have the right Christian attitude. We know intellectually that God loves us, but we struggle to live in that love. And the encouragement this morning is not only to believe in, 
but to walk in that love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I can encourage you this morning to do that, we've achieved something. So what does the God, uh, what does the love of Christ look like? And I've got a few more scriptures I'm going to read. Some will be on here, others will be extra. I love the reading of God's word. Because if I fail as a pastor or a preacher, the word of God does the job. And the more you read it, the more work it does in our lives. Romans 5 verse 8, God commends his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. When we were unworthy, unholy, in total rebellion against God, God looked at us and he loved us. And he sent his son uh, to us. And this is a reflection. This is God's love towards us. Ephesians 1 verse 4, uh, to 11, uh, verse 4 says, In Christ he chose us before the world was made. He chose us in love to be his holy people. People who could stand before him without any fault. Verse 9, 10 and 11 of 1 John uh, verse, uh, chapter 4. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his only son into the world to to give us life through him. True love is God's love for us, not our love for God. He sent his son as a way to take away our sins. That is how much God loves us. We need to be soaked in God's love for us. He loves us so much. There's not a thing that we can do except reject his love. There's not a thing that we can do that God cannot forgive us for because he loves us so much and he wants us to be part of his great family. There's this wonderful scripture in Isaiah 1 verse 18. And here God is talking to the children of Israel. He says, come now and let us reason together says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be as wool. It is impossible to get scarlet out of wool or it was then. And God is saying to the children of Israel, I love you so much. Even though you rebelled against me and are in rebellion, I'm going to change that. And I want you to reason with me just how great my love is for you. And today he is exactly the same. God loves us so much so that he does the impossible. In Titus 3, verse uh, 3 to 7, it says, In times past you were foolish too. We did not obey. We were wrong and we were slaves to many things. Our bodies wanted and enjoyed. We lived doing evil and being jealous and people hated us. And we hated each other. But then the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, was made known. I think Dennis made a statement about the butts of God last week. Was, was that right? I think it's right, wasn't it? Yeah, good. And this is just another one. But then the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, was made known. He saved us because of his mercy, not because of any good things that we did. He saved us through the washing that made us new people. He saved us by making us new through the Holy Spirit. 
God poured out to us that Holy Spirit fully through Jesus Christ our Saviour. We were made right with God by his grace. God saved us so that we could be his children and look forward to receiving life that never ends. He saved us so that we could be his children. I just love this, love this verse. It's perhaps one of the most, it's uh, one of the favorite verses that I have. John, the apostle John, uh, he really knew what love was all about. In, in, first, in the first epistle that he, he was writing, which we get this verse from, it almost, and, and it's something like 30 or 40 times the word love is mentioned. And I don't think he could help himself. He must have been writing. Then he says, oh, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Behold it. Hey, look at this, he's saying. I want you to realize that God loves you. And this manner of love was so great that he's made you his children. This morning, are we rejoicing in that this morning? Or are we rejoicing in our faults and our mistakes? Our shortcomings? We must know that we are established and grounded in the love of Christ. There are two stories in the Bible that go a long way to demonstrate the love of God. And first of all, I want to talk about the prodigal son, which we heard the reading of this morning. There's three parables here. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And they all emphasize one thing. Our Heavenly Father's rejoicing over that one sinner that repents. The lost sheep. In verse 6 it says, the shepherd says, Rejoice in me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And Jesus said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Man, that's good. I really feel like you need to say hallelujah or something at this point. <laughs> I come from a Pentecostal background, so if I just say hallelujah, forgive me or something, if I shout it out. But I get so thrilled about this. I get so full of joy that God is so joyful and the whole of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. How much? Oh, yes, thank you, brother. <clears throat> the lost coin, the woman said, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that I have lost. Flick that over to the coin. Likewise, Jesus said, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Can we think about this? The angels were saying to you, if it was me that I was being saved, he says, Peter's been saved. Let's have a party. Let's rejoice. A sinner has come back into the fall. Can you see that? Or I always say, well, I don't know. There's a lot that Peter deserved. Maybe he's got to work his way back into this. The angels didn't say that. They just rejoiced. Hallelujah. 
the lost son. The father said, Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. And another version says, it says they began to have a party. I like that. My wife does. She's really into parties. They began to have a party. These parables have this in common, the father's heart rejoicing over sinners that repent and having a party about it. Jesus was sent to die for us, to pay for our life. And the father rejoices when we respond to his love and we respond uh, by repenting and turning from our sin. The second point I want to make about this is that the father, sorry, point two, the father's heart's full of compassion. Notice this, that he rose and, uh, the, the prodigal son rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran on and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now think about this. He did this to his son who wasted his life. In blatant rebellion and right, right, uh, riotous living, not only that, he stunk like a pig. He was working as a pig hand in a farmer's pig farm. And he must have stunk awful, but that didn't bother the father. The father saw him a long way off and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him, stinking like a pig. Wow. You ever think about that? Or do you think you've got to get clean before you come to the Father? Think you've got to do right? I had a, had a conversation with a, with a colleague of mine at work some years ago, a young lady, and we were talking about the things of God, and I, I was just talking to her about salvation and so on, and she just stopped me and she said, Peter, she said, Peter, my life has, has, has been ruined, and it was. It was a, and she perhaps had, had felt that she, or she said, that I don't deserve to be saved. I'm so full of sin. I'm so full of what I've done wrong. God would not accept me. How sad is that? And she felt that her sin was so great that the Father would not receive her. She felt that she perhaps felt that she needed to do more. She needed to get a life right before she got a life right with God. But that's not it. God loves us just as we are and we come to him with all our sinfulness and God runs towards us and gives us a big hug. And we might be stinking because of our sin but Jesus loves us so much. This is the love of the Father for us. We're we getting the picture this morning. Just how much the Father loves us. <clears throat> the Father's, the Son's heart, though, was full of remorse and works. The Son said, Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. I am no longer worthy to be called your Son. 
And he also planned to say, let me be like one of your hired servants. Are we like this when we have sinned? Full of remorse and self-pity, determined to put it right by works. How many of us have done this? Man, I've done this so many times. When I've sinned and I've gone, look, forgive me, but look, I'm going to do better next time. I'll I'll, I'll pray more. I'll I'll read your Bible more. I'll tell others about you. I'll even go to church more. Just to try and make up for lost time and make up for sin. Repentance from the son's perspective brought about remorse and works. Repentance from the father's perspective brought about compassion and rejoicing. And this is our heavenly father's love for us. We must know that because of his love for us, when we repent, we have ongoing forgiveness and cleansing. Are you getting the picture? Sometimes we come to church and we burden, we bow down, we think, oh. But we ought to come rejoicing, knowing that when you repent, God forgives you and there's great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. The second story is about Jesus. Can you remember the story about Peter? Remember the story when he denied Jesus three times. And uh, sometime later, after Jesus rose from the dead, he visited them three, uh, two times. And then on the third time, he visited them when Peter said, okay, to his, um, to his mates, I'm going fishing. And he perhaps felt that he was a failure. He perhaps felt that after all his trying to please Jesus, he at the most, uh, when Jesus had appeared, uh, needed him the most, Peter denied him. And so Jesus came and he made breakfast for them. And uh, remember on the beach, he made breakfast for them and they had bread and fish. And I discovered this the other day when I was thinking about it. This is the first recorded men's breakfast. Um, And so, ladies, we have scriptures to prove that we can have men's breakfasts. So Jesus, after the, there, said to him, Jesus said to him uh, after the meal, he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, you know that I love you. And he asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Peter, Lord, you know that I love you. And the third time he asked him, Peter, do you love me? And this time he was affected in his heart and he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. But do you note that what was not said to Peter? Jesus did not mention Peter's sin. The father of the prodigal son does not mention the son's sin either. The son did. And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 and 19, we have this incredible uh, couple of verses. Paul was talking about the ministry of reconciliation that had been given to him. 
And that ministry of reconciliation was that, this is the gospel, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That word there, imputing, so God is not imputing their trespasses against them. Imputing means to count. The ministry of reconciliation includes not counting our sins against us. The love of God does not count our sins against us through Jesus Christ. Then why do we count our own sins? If God is not counting our sins against us, why do we count our own? Why do we sit there and uh, feeling sorry for ourselves, saying that, yeah, I failed again, I failed again? Jesus is saying, I'm not failing at what? I'm not counting. And just as importantly, why do we count other people's sins against them? If God's not counting their sins against them, why are we counting their sins against them? Interesting, isn't it? It's the foundation of the scripture which says we are not to judge each other. The reason why we aren't to judge is because God, through Jesus Christ, has been judged for our sins, if you like. And he loves us so much, he's not counting your sins against you. And he is not counting the sins of your children or your parents or your spouse. He's not counting because his love for you is just so great. It's already been counted through Jesus Christ. If we want reconciliation with God or man, stop counting sin. Instead, start measuring God's love for you and for others. Its height, its length, its depth, and its breadth. When Simon, uh, when Jesus said, Simon, do you love, uh, Simon, son of, uh, John, do you love me? And the third time he said, he said it, he was grieved. And I just want to make the point here that with love comes the truth. With love comes the truth. God's truth gets right, God's love gets right to the Heart of the heart of the matter. Have you ever been told a truth and you don't like it? My wife tells me all the time. We just don't like it. And particularly when somebody else tells us the truth about ourselves, the defense mechanism rises up. But when Jesus tells us the truth comes with love and the love of God comes with the truth, and just bear that in mind when you're dealing with God. What is said to Peter? Peter, do you love me? And I think this point is, we might think that Jesus is saying, well, the reason why uh, I'm saying this three times is because you denied me three times. And a lot of writers talk about that, but I don't think that that's the case here. I think Jesus wanted to get into Peter's mind and heart 
that between him and between Jesus and between Peter was a relationship based upon love. This was a love relationship. It wasn't a works relationship. It wasn't a law relationship. It wasn't a fear relationship. It was a love relationship. So when you talk of talking to God, he looks upon you through Jesus Christ, which is the object of his love. And because we are in Jesus Christ, we are in his love and he looks upon us with heart full of love for you. No matter what, he loves you. The springboard or motivation for ministry is from the foundation of the love of Christ for us. And Jesus was just saying to Peter, if you want to minister, if you are going to feed my lambs and feed my sheep, know this, that that comes from our love relationship. And we need to understand that, that any ministry doesn't come because we're compelled or we feel we have to do this and that. No, it comes from a heart of love. And that's one of the things I've learned in coming here, that I've tried to protect myself from being hurt and trying to protect myself. But the Lord says, listen, Peter, you need to relate the gift, no matter how small that gift is, you need to relate it to others. And it must come from your love relationship with me, not self-protection, but a love relationship. There is no fear in love. From obedience to service, the love of Christ and our love, for, for, love of Christ for us and our love for him is the motivation, not out of fear or a sense of duty, is established and built on love. There is no fear in love, the scripture says, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We must know that our relationship with Jesus Christ is established and grounded in his love. So in conclusion, may I encourage you with two verses here. Maybe I'll... In Jude 20, uh, 1 verse 21, it says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. So as you're going about your daily business, just keep yourselves in the love of God. Always think about the fact that God, first of all, loves you. Second of all, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you that you should be called a child, his child. This morning our hearts should be so brimming full of thanksgiving for his love for us. We should be sort of jumping out of our skin. And because I'm an introvert, I tend to do that inwardly. But we should be jumping out of our skin and full of thanks and praise to God that he loves me, a sinner condemned unclean. Behold what manner of love. So I want to pray this prayer in closing. Shall we pray? And this is the same one that I read before out of Ephesians. Paul was praying for the Ephesian church and he said this. So I bow in prayer before the Father. Every family in heaven and on earth gets its true name from him.
I ask the Father with his great glory to give you power to be strong in your spirits. He will give you that strength through his spirit. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong in love and built on love. Or established and built on love. I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide, how long, how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than you can ever know. But I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with everything God has for you. With God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we ask or think to him. Be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus for all time, forever and ever. Amen. Lord bless you.